Thank you for joining us this morning. Will you please stand? I'll be reading from Proverbs 28:13. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Brother Beavers, will you please pray for us this morning? Join me in singing hymn number 259, Jesus Saves, Jesus Saves.
could stand once again, we'll sing Wonderful Grace of Jesus in number 
tortured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Miss Tiffany. Appreciate that song. It's good to be in the Lord's house today, man. God's been so good to us. We have so much to thank Him for. I've said this in Sunday school. I want to say it again. Thank you for praying for us as we went and held a revival down in Spokane, Missouri. And uh, it was a real blessing to be able to be there. And God showed up uh, every service. So that was a blessing. And it was just great uh, to be with friends. Uh, down there and be able to preach and that was uh, one of the first times in years my voice held up uh, so that's a blessing maybe maybe not I thought it was a blessing uh, one of my uh, a retired preacher moved to the area down there and uh, attends that church and Wednesday or maybe it's Tuesday night Cindy sang and he punched me and he goes what they don't want you to sing and I'm like yeah okay but anyhow, 
Uh, glad that uh, I was able to take her along, and uh, she was able to be used down there too, and so that's a great blessing. All right, Jude, can you believe we're in the book of Jude? Can you believe this is going to be the last Sunday we're in the book of Jude, okay? We started this uh, journey clear back in May, and uh, it's just turned out to be wow. I mean, it has quite a book. Uh, it's got so much good stuff for today, where we're at, where we're living. And so uh, I just wanted to take time as I was preaching through it uh, to make sure that we just kind of squeezed all the lemons as we went by. And uh, hopefully we made some good lemonade there and uh, some great application uh, in our walk with the Lord. So the book of Jude, and uh, we're going to be getting reading in verse number one. If you can, stand with me. Follow along as I begin to read there in verse number one. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother James to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And then we're going to skip on to the end, to verse number 24. There we read, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you that we can come together in this place and worship you. And Lord, we thank you that we can hold your word in our hand that is just as viable and important today in our lives as it was in the time that it was written. Lord, we'd ask that you would meet with us today, that the Holy Spirit would have power and freedom to move in our lives and our hearts, and that you might be honored and glorified with the outcome. It could be that there's some here without you as their Lord and Savior, and Lord, our prayer is that today they might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Lord, I pray for Christians today that we might be challenged and encouraged and desire to walk with you in a greater way. Thank you for our time together. I pray that you'd bless it and use it for your glory in our lives. We ask these things in your blessed, most holy name, and all the people said, Amen, you may be seated. Some of those that I have studied after, uh, as I was preparing and preaching these messages, when, we thought, when I was following their outlines and came uh, to the end here, Jude 24 and 25, they've entitled this the doxology. The doxology. And so I went ahead but contending for the faith, the doxology, but then I had to put something in there that, that I thought was relevant. I put the end, hyphen, but it's not. It is really the beginning. So we come to this doxology, if you would. A doxology is a short hymn of praises to God in various forms of Christian worship, often added uh, to the end of psalms and hymns. If you would take your hymn book, and you don't have to, but if you take your hymn book and you turn uh, to the back, as I did just a little bit ago this morning, and looked up doxology, it'll take you to hymn 155, and there we read, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so a doxology is, to me, any time that we stop and we're, we're kind of full, we're, we've been ministered to in a great way, God is, is so relevant to us that we would stop and say, God, I just want to praise you. I just want to thank you for the great and awesome God that you are. Now, this comes in my life in several different ways. And you may be able to relate, so I'll just share 
some of the ways that this has been uh, pliable in my life. So um, I like a good sunrise when I'm up. I like a good sunrise. I like to get up and sun be breaking, uh, you know, and uh, it can be in various ways. Uh, Cindy's mom has, and her, her dad had a farm, and we go out to the farm. I like to watch the sunrise break over the hills there and just to see the dew glisten, especially in the fall time of the year. It's just so beautiful. Maybe there's been a heavy frost. The sun just begins to break and the yellows, and it's just so beautiful. Um, we like sunsets. And, um, you know, a beautiful sunset that's turning pink and orange and red on the horizon is just really awesome. The other night, uh, we were driving, it was dark, and uh, we like moons too. And uh, so, uh, said, oh, look at that moon. And it was just so big and so beautiful, uh, just so wonderful. And there's many times I just stop and think to myself, how is it that people say there's not a God? How can we witness his handiwork, as the psalmist described? The handiwork of God is ever before us and all around us. And it, it, how is it that we can deny that? It's so beautiful and it deserves that he would be praised for it. I found it interesting that as we started here in the book of Jude, in particular, verse number 3, it says, Beloved, I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. And we preached about the fact that salvation is the same for all mankind, that we need to ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, to come into our heart, to forgive us of our sins, and we can be saved. And we all get saved the same way. There's not anyone that's going to get to heaven and be able to say, hey, I'm here because I did it my way. I'm here because I did this and this, and I know the Bible said that, but I didn't do that. I came this way. There's only one way to heaven, the common salvation. And then he continues on and he writes, It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the for the faith. So Jude is starting off and he's telling people, look, there's a fight. We're at war. It's ever before us. We need to contend for the faith of God. And I would challenge you here in 2022, we still need to contend for the faith. That the political uh, side of our society would like to hush us. That the, the uh, woke, <laughs> if I use that right, the woke religious side would like to hush us and they would like to tell us, listen, you guys just need to be quiet. You guys are fanatics. You believe that book. You believe every word that you find written there. And we just, we just want you to be quiet, okay? We want to go through and we want to live this the way that we want to live it. We want our lives lived in peace. We don't want you sharing your faith with us. We don't want to hear about it. We don't believe it. We don't want anything to do with it. And so I found it kind of, um, kind of cool that Jude started by telling us, look, you need to earnestly contend for the faith. And then he didn't stop there. He said, which was once delivered unto the saints. So he tells us what faith it is that we are to contend for, the faith of this book, amen, our Bible. We are to take it, read it, study it, applied in our lives and our living, and then we are to contend for it. And I believe in the latter days it will be harder and harder to contend for the faith. As he starts the book of Jude by this admonition to earnestly contend for the faith and challenges us in our walk with God, we come to the end here in verses 24 and 25, and he says, Now unto him, that is able to keep you from falling. Isn't that cool? He starts with, I want you to contend. I want you to contend for this faith. This faith that was delivered, that was handed down, that was given to the saints, that they've held on to for years, and now here we are in 2022. I want you to contend for the faith. I want you to hang on. I want you to continue to work. And then he comes to the end of verse 24, and he says, because he's able to keep you from falling. 
How is it that we're going to be able to contend for the faith? At some times, it's been very difficult through the history of our, uh, of our, our lineage here, our, our line of Christianity. It's been very difficult to contend for the faith. People were taken, and they were taken by gladiators and put in the Roman Colosseums, and they were eaten by animals, and the Bible talks about they were sawn asunder. And many, many a Christian martyr uh, gave their life because of what they believe and what they contended for. But here we are in 2022, and it hasn't cost us anything yet, but that's not to say in the upcoming years it might not. But we need to continue to contend. We need to continue to fight. We need to continue to stand. We need to continue to take the Word of God and practice it and believe it and preach it to the future generations. How are we going to do that? Well, we can only do that through His help. Because it is His help that will keep us from falling. It is His help that will keep us. That brings us to our first point. Simply, He can keep us from falling. I believe this was kind of a fear that Paul had that future generations might come to the point that they would be fearful of the work of the Lord. It's evident that Jude is concerned about it. But what does Paul say? Well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he didn't want to be a castaway. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, we read, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? But one receiveth the prize, so run, that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I don't know if we had any track participants here in our midst today. I ran a little high school track. Uh, I ran a little thing, a little thing called the mile when I was in high school. And when you run the mile, you just don't go one day, oh, I'm going to run the mile. I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to run the mile. You just don't do that. It takes work. It takes uh, time to be able to develop the lung capacity and it takes time to get your muscles strengthened, to recognize that, hey, this is something we're going to do on a regular basis. I can only imagine guys going to boot camp, you know. They go to boot camp, and my brother told me when he went to boot camp back in 69 that they had him doing push-ups all day long. And he said, when you get to where you couldn't do any more than the nice drill sergeant, probably much like Brother Gary, Come over and grab you by the belt and pull you up and pull you down, up and down, up and down, and just push you to the limits. And that's the way it is when you run a mile. You just, you just keep pushing the limit, you keep pushing the limit, you keep pushing the limit. And so Paul, here, when he's talking about it, he said, so they run a race, but only one's going to win. But in the midst of that, they're all going to run. And it says, every man, verse 25, striveth for the mastery, and it's temperate in all things. And I didn't go weirdo. Uh, you know, I didn't eat certain foods and all that. I just went out and ran and ran a lot. And I liked to run. And now I like to walk. And I like to sit a lot more than I like to run a mile. But um, so this whole group, maybe there's four or five or six or eight. And uh, they go out and they, they work out and they work and they train and and uh, they strengthen their muscles, and they strengthen their longevity to be able to run. And then they go out and they race, and they've worked hard at it, and they race hard, and one man wins. It's a big deal, but they're winning a corruptible crown. They're winning something that's not going to last forever. But we as children of God, we can win an incorruptible crown. Paul's, Paul was talking about that. He said, look, these guys go out and they run. They run for, and back then it was just like a wreath of grass that they put on their head for a little while. But Paul said, I don't run for a corruptible crown, but we run for an incorruptible crown. First of all, I'm glad we're not really running, that it's a metaphor, okay? Because at my age, I don't want to run a mile, Okay. 
But we can all run a mile. Some of you, I can see, are pretty happy too that we're not running miles. But we need to press on. Just as when you're a miler, and boy, I'm telling you, you get to that third lap. And I remember one of the last races I ran, this kid swam all the time, and it just kind of did this mind thing to me. And I can remember coming into that third lap, he would, I let him be the rabbit and pushed him out in front and kept him going. And we turned into our third lap and come through the corner on the backside. And that's when I uh, went to work and, and uh, in the race at that point. But I just had this little mind thing going on. But when it came time for the end, I saw the end was near. I didn't go, oh, well, there's the end. I'm going to stop. That's when I said, this is what I've worked for, for this whole year. This is going to be the final race of my senior year. I'm going to give it all I got. And I pressed and pressed and pressed till the very end. And I did a win, if you're interested or not. But <laughs> that little guy, I think he ended up third because we'd pushed him. But anyhow, so, but the point is this, we are in a race. And the finish line's right there. For some of us, it's closer than for others. Some of you will get there quicker. I may get there quicker. I don't know. God knows all those things. But I see it. And I want to keep on working towards it. Because I'm not doing it for a corruptible crown. I don't want people to come by, you know, and and, um, I'm laying here in a casket or whatever. Oh, he was a great guy. God bless him. Um, You know, and then walk on by and go put me in a hole someplace. Forget about me the next week. I want to be recognized in heaven. I want God to go, here comes one of my faithful servants. Here comes one of mine who loved me and served me and gave his life for me. And when it came to the end, when everyone else was maybe setting to the side and, and, and kind of getting old and tired, he kept on pushing. Maybe not with the same fervor and the same fire that he had when he was 20, But he pushed on. He continued on. He worked on. And so we need to continue to strive. We need to continue to work. As Paul said, I don't want to be a castaway. I want to keep myself under subjection lest I would be a castaway. Christian, we need to continue on. For there's there's no joy in this world. And we need to realize that we are the light to this world. And that they might see the joy of Jesus in us. And then we might be able to share with them the great peace that comes by having Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Think about those who failed in the Bible. Those who failed. Samson. Man, I'd love to have been Samson. I, I, I tell you, I hope when I get to heaven, it's like video room where I can go in because I want to see Samson. I mean, this guy was unbelievable. He went to a city. And they locked the gates. And so what did Samson do? He picked them up, put them on his shoulder, carried them up on a hill, and left them till morning. Man, he's probably about as strong as Brother Tony back there. Just picked them up, carried them up on the hill, set them down. Think about how fast he was. He caught 300 foxes, put a firebrand between, tied their tails together, that would be fun. Put a firebrand between their tails and set the fields on fire. I'm telling you, it was amazing. He was an amazing individual, but he had one great hang-up. He liked the ladies too much. He didn't respect God enough. He could have been a happy man. He could have picked a wife and been faithful and served God, but he was never satisfied with the Israelitish women, and it ended up costing him. We find him at the last part of his life chained to the pillars of the temple of Dagon. And he prays one last time for great strength and pushes the main pillars. His eyes have been plucked from him. He pushes those pillars, and it says in the fall that there died more at that time than he had slain in his whole life. How about Saul? Saul was head and shoulders above all else. Saul was the, the man's pick. That's the guy we want. Look how tall he is. Look at how handsome he is. Look at, look at the, the leadership ability in that guy. And they picked him. And it's not long before Saul becomes this embittered, 
individual. He becomes a, a man that is not happy. David comes upon the scene. Saul should have gone out and defeated Goliath, but he refused. David comes as a ruddy kid. He goes out and kills Goliath. And before long, they're sitting around singing uh, songs that uh, King Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And that didn't set well. And so he spends the large portion of his life trying to uh, chase down David and take his life. And David, time and again, has opportunity to kill Saul, but he refuses to. And he ends up in a battle, ends up dying. And then David. David, one of the great men of the Bible. One of the great men of the Bible who God had used in so many great ways. Listen, just because you've been victorious in 30 years of your living doesn't mean that you can't go out tomorrow and ruin it. All his faithfulness to God ends up having an adulterous affair with Bathsheba, falls from grace and brings great dishonor upon him and the entire nation. We need to realize that we are to contend for the faith, and that contending is a daily, regular, consistent fighting. The second thing we find in verse number 24, he says, And now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless. Present you faultless. How is that possible? I'm just an ordinary man. I just live an ordinary life. I want to fight the fight, the good fight. When I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm no longer clothed in my righteousness, which are as filthy rags, but I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm now clothed in a white raiment that is for all saints, all those who have accepted Jesus Christ. They, they get that same white raiment. It's not based upon us. It's based upon his righteousness. He has justified me. He now sees me as being just in a legal sense, and I've been declared innocent in the highest court of the universe. Not in the land, but in the universe. He will glorify me. I will be made incorruptible. I will be visibly faultless in my covering. I will be legally faultless in God's verdict and physically faultless in my glorified body and all by the grace of God. Nothing that I have done. Romans chapter 8, verse number 29 through 32 says, For whom he did know, for know he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Man, how wonderful it is to know that he's my Savior and that he will present me faultless. The third thing we find in verse number 24, he says, to present him faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He is able to present me into the presence of his, of his glory and exceeding joy. Jesus promised to make a place for us and to come get us. Amen? I'm looking forward to the return of our Savior. John 14, 1 through 6, we read, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the only way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. 
we find that uh, not only do we go if we die, but there's also a hope that we hold on to, which is the rapture. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, we're reminded, For the Lord himself shall descend with he- uh, from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Both of these passages deal with the redemption of the body. One, we will pass from this life, we will go uh, the grave route, the other we will go in the rapture, uh, the upper route. I was talking to my wife and I was talking about the, how that, you know, I've always wanted to go in the rapture. I think the rapture would really be cool to just be alive and go to heaven that way. And she goes, but wait a minute. She goes, when you read the first part of that, it says the dead get their rise first. So maybe I want to be in the first group and not the second group. But I think it'd still be pretty cool to go on alive. Just, whew, I think that'd be so cool. He's coming. He's coming to get us, and we need to be ready. And I know some will say, oh, but he's been going to come for so long. What do you mean he's coming? Listen, don't give up hope. He's still coming. He's coming to take us home. And he's coming to call us to be with him. And what a wonderful time it's going to be to be united with him in the clouds in the air. The fourth thing we see is that he's able to give me exceeding joy both now and in his presence. Christian friend, you don't have to live unhappy. If you live unhappy, you choose to live unhappy. Okay? The Bible's too full of the fact that he wants us to have peace, he wants us to have joy, he wants us to have life, he wants us to experience the good things. God never intended that something hard and horrible would come into our life and that then we should live a bitter life the rest of our life. God intended that we would know his peace and his joy and his happiness and that those things would fill us and no matter what would come our way, we'd still say, As the the Hebrew children said, as they were getting ready to get cast into the fiery furnace, listen, whether we live or not, doesn't matter. I'm paraphrasing. It doesn't matter because we know that we'll be with him. We know that we'll be with God. So if hard times come in our life, God knows it. God orders it. Nothing comes into our life by happenstance. It's cleared through the hands of God. And we have to recognize this is what God's plan is for my life. And now, God, I need your help. Now, God, I need your peace. Now, God, I need your joy. Help me to be joyful again. Help me to be happy again. Help me to share, continue to share your good news in the midst of this tragedy, in the midst of this hardness, in the midst of this difficulty. God, give me the peace and joy. So when others see me going through this hardness, that they might recognize, I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how they're getting along. And they might say, it must be because of their joy and happiness coming from the Lord. One of the great passages on joy is found in John chapter 16, verses 20 through 23. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Someone said, if it was up to men to deliver children, there would be no children. I get it. I get it, that'd be awful painful. It's just bad enough getting sick. But women go through the anguish and the travail of childbirth. 
And it's almost the second that they hold that new life, the joy is there. Look at my son or my daughter. Look at this great gift that God has given me. The the trials and all that led up to the birth of that baby are soon washed away. It's always amazing to me, and we've seen um, many after the birth of a child, and you know they're in pain, and they're still healing, all those kind of things, and yet to see the joy and the happiness, especially on the mother's face. Maybe it's because they're out, you know. They're out. Thank goodness they're out. But I would say it's because of the, the little life that they hold in their hands. What a wonderful, joyful thing. Happiness is not the same thing as joy. Happiness relates to favorable happenings where joy is the byproduct. It's a byproduct of sorrow. It's a byproduct not based on a a condition, but on a heart. It's a condition that the heart has been, that, that it has produced by God when he turns our sorrow into joy. If he turns our sorrow into joy, then sorrow is the stuff our joy is made of. That's pretty cool when you think about that. So I have a preacher friend. He's preached here before, Dave McCracken. I know a lot of of young preacher boys think to themselves, man, I wish I could preach like Dave McCracken. I kind of fell into that group once before. And then I sat down and I figured out, what made Dave McCracken the preacher he was? Well, I'm telling you, that man's known sorrow. His wife was almost killed in a car wreck, I think twice. She suffered through um, breast removal and cancer. Uh, He's had one tragedy after another tragedy after another tragedy. God has taken him through those tragedies and made him the man that he is through great sorrow. So if you say, well, man, I want to become a greater servant of God, just be careful, sorrow might accompany that. Because God's got to, if you would, break us down to make us more usable in His hands. And more joy is seen as we walk through those dark valleys, those hard places, and we've been crushed. And His joy comes forth out of our lives to show to others that there is hope. You can go through these horrible, tragic things, but God will hold your hand. He'll take you through, and you can come through victorious. How is it all possible? Well, he ends with verse 25. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. So how is it possible? It's possible because of who he is. Because of who he is. That's what we get here. Well, who is he? Well, he's the only wise God. He is the only wise God. There is none that will compare to our God. None. I don't care who you are, what you think, or what God you worship. There's only one God, and we worship the only wise God. He is our Savior. Savior. He saved us from our sins. Heaven's our eternal home. Then another point, because of who He is, because He's glory and majesty, his glory and majesty. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He will return there in revelations as he comes to establish his thousand year reign. And on his thigh and on his vesture will be king of kings and lord of lords. He is our only wise God. He's our savior because of his glory and majesty and because of his dominion. His dominion. This last week, the world mourned over a queen that had dominion over England for a certain amount of time. But listen, our king will never die. He has had dominion. He will have dominion. His is dominion from now and forevermore, from beginning to end. His power. And then he ends with both now and forever. Why should we contend? Jude, why is it that we should contend? Why is it so important that we contend for the faith, that we put up the fight? What is this all about, Jude? What are you trying to say? And Jude comes down to the very end and he says, because it's necessary. 
If the word's still going to be proclaimed, if Christians are still going to be saved, if people are going to continue to grow and to come to Christ, then you must be faithful. You must contend with the lies. You must point out the truth. You must stand, you must stand faithful by him. Because you can't do it yourself. You can't do it yourself. But you can do it with the help of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful in contending for the faith. That it wouldn't be something that, well, I'll let someone else do it. I'll I'll let the staff do it. I'll, I'll let someone else worry about it. God, I pray that in this day and age in which we live, that we recognize that there's a great need for Christians to stand for the truth, to stand for what is right, to stand for, for the truth of the Word of God. Help us to be those who will stand in the gap. We contend for the faith, and that we be faithful to it until you call us home. We love you, and we ask it in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Lord, spoken to your heart, encourage you to come, whatever your need. Altars open. We're sing just as I am. God spoken to your heart today. Would you come? Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed. good to be in the Lord's house today. I'm going to have Brother Beavers come with our announcement. Lots to look forward to. Jay, can you?